We become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit, if she wished, mine. It's with the ancestors. I'm yeah, I'm drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Well, hello, it's Colin. Um, and it's just me right now because uh, a busy week and some travel coming up. So Nick was otherwise engaged this week. And I said, you know what? I'll take care of it. I got a great idea. So, well, we'll see if it's a great idea. Uh, this week, uh, similar to what we did a few weeks ago, I think when Nick was it was in the opera, when he was Pittsburgh's Permanent Carmen, uh, we put out, an, or I put out, or whatever, collectively, the Best Supporting Podcast put out an old episode of In Details, my old you know, solo act a few, from a few years ago, of us queening out on Notes on a Scandal. Well, that was not the only time that Nick guested on In the Details, and in April of 2019, he joined me for what is really the, the truly the pilot episode of this podcast. We even hint at the fact that we're going to do this podcast in this episode, because I think we'd already made the decision, and it is a, us queening out on Amy Adams in her Oscar-nominated performance in Junebug which also co-stars Celia Weston, who, and remind me to talk to Nick about this next week, he tells a story on this episode about Celia Weston that I feel like, I don't know why he hasn't repeated that on this podcast. So stay tuned for just a, a Celia Weston story that I forgot existed, and uh, we're, we're going to need to discuss. Uh, we also talk about a whole bunch of movies that we do end up doing episodes on, and so consider this a blast from the past where we I say things like, oh my god, I'd love to see The Fighter. Oh, I haven't seen that. Now it's like, you know, who's this MTV girl? Like, I know who The Fighter is, you know? Uh, oh, and there's this one part where, because I think this was like right before Fosse Verdon came out, and so we have some conversation about how, oh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be good, but I'm sure she'll be good, and, you know, I don't know if she's much of a dancer, and it's just like, this, we, that, this was a pre-Fosse Verdon world. We had no idea. No one sounded so dumb. You know, this this was before I carried you through charity. You know, and her holding up that dime. One call. Oh, my God, I'm a different person. Anyway, I have waffled on long enough. So here's more of me waffling on with Nick in an old episode of In the Details, all about Junebug. And uh, we'll be back next week, I think. I'm pretty sure. We'll be back. Come on. It's a holiday weekend. Anyway, goodbye. Gotta get me a gay, Mickey. Gotta get a gay. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of In the Details, a celebration of nuance where each week I queen out on all of the acting choices, micro moments, and magic in the minutiae that make a scene great. My name is Colin Drucker. Your name, indubitably, is Barbara Belgetti's. And this week, we are not alone. 
Barbara. Uh, we have a guest. We have a returning guest, a friend of the podcast, uh, a a podcast extraordinaire of her own, if you will. Please welcome back to the podcast, Nick Kachanov. Wow, what an intro! I uh, I feel so so at home already. So welcome. Oh, good. <laughs> I kick off my shoes, put my bathrobe on. Yeah, yeah. I'm, that's I'm that's what we want here. Yeah, um, yeah. That's uh, your your Ellen Burstyn Requiem for a Dream realness. Oh yeah, I have the red here. dress on. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we all have the red dress somewhere. We all yeah. have the red dress. <sighs> you know, it, it it's worth mentioning at the top of the episode, and this would be relevant, of course, is that. Uh, you know, I I listened to your Patreon episodes recently. I listened to them back to back. I'd oh, save fun. them, and I could not agree more about Ellen Burstyn being robbed for Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, it's something, right? I just don't get it. I just I like my takeaway from that is what more do you have to do to win an Oscar? Yeah, it's like you know? Beyonce or Adele beating Beyonce for Lemonade and like when Adele had that you know 25 is fine there are some good songs but it's like what, what yeah I'm, I don't want to take a, a uh, any spotlight no, from Ellen no. uh, Ellen Burstyn but yeah it, it is it's the same it is a performance that will it's a masterclass and she the, what she does in that movie is is it's just unbelievable it's it's in my top 5 performances of all time yeah 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 I agree. I know on the flip side, I have not seen the blind side. And I know that wasn't the I know that was the um, Aaron Brockovich year. But the blind side, I think of as the as the opposite in that. What less do you have to do, it seems, to win an Oscar? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. I mean, I could I mean, it seems like it could be another podcast, Colin, that we could talk about. Best. I know. I don't know. Maybe I know. Maybe we'll put that on the universe. Wink, wink. Yeah. (laughs) What a a, a notion. What a thought. What a feeling. But yeah, Um, it's I've definitely seen. I mean, yeah, I have so many thoughts, but uh, we're not here to talk about those leading actresses. Uh, We're not. We're here for the best supporting actresses, though. And and in, in particular this week, though she's sometimes been a best actress. Yeah. We are going to be queening out on who I really think is the Meryl Streep of best supporting actresses at this point. Yeah, she's quintessential. Yeah, totally quintessential best supporting actress. Amy Adams. Seven-time uh, nominee. And- I'm going to look that up just to be sure, but I feel like this year was her seventh nomination for an Oscar. Wow. Possibly. Possibly. Or wow. six. I'm looking it up now. Um, and that's like, because people always say that about Glenn, that this yeah. was like, what, seven nominations? Amy Adams is much younger than Glenn to already have seven in her pocket. Yeah. So Amy I, is six. Know. Amy is six. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah. Still? Yeah. Still good? Still more yes. than I have? Um <laughs> I've only got four, but I, uh, yeah, she, it feels like she is, it's like, what, what is the role going to be that finally gets Amy Adams her Oscar? You know, like, why is, why is she always like a bridesmaid when it comes to Oscars? It's interesting, right? I I feel, I mean, what we're going to talk about today specifically is Junebug, but that, if that movie was to come along now. I would hope that that would have been like it served its purpose for her in the opposite way is like it kind of catapulted her into this like new category because it was just an indie film. It was shot in 21 days, Colin Junebug. Wow. Um, that she I remember watching an interview with her saying like, because um, Catch Me If You Can, um, Junebug was in 2005. Catch Me If You Can was in 2002. And, you know, mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg and it was Leo, Leo, well, Leonardo DiCaprio. And she thought that was going to be the big thing. 
and it wasn't. Right. And then she shot this like little indie movie in 21 Days and got an Oscar nom. It's uh, yeah, and then blew up from there. I mean, I yeah. feel like that was, it, and it's such a so Junebug. I mean, Junebug. I think is a Junebug is a great movie. I think it covers a lot of familiar territory that indie movies, especially indie, even indie movies of that time, would, had covered. There's so much about Junebug that I feel like is about kind of the you know the mundanity of uh, of, of small town life and yeah. a suburban life and you know what a quiet living room feels like in the middle of an afternoon and um, the idea of church picnics and you know uh, working at a dish you know replacement factory and all yes. that stuff like the smallness of small town America and I think that. I think it's an interesting movie and an interesting story, and I think there's there's th- there's plot lines threaded through it that are really kind of fascinating. Um, but the character of Ashley mm-hmm. that Amy Adams plays, I think that the character on paper is probably good, but I think that the greatness comes from Amy Adams. Yes, because you know. Yeah, keep going. Sorry to interrupt. You. No, no. I mean, I think that like there are certain roles right that are written like. Uh, I mean, who am I thinking of? It's like, you know, I I would think of like, you know, the women from The Favorite. Those yes. roles were written to win Oscars, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're given that kind of meat. You you could say Ellen Burstyn's role in Requiem sure. for a Dream was, tech, you know, the blind side. That's Oscar bait movie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> to go back to that. Like, and Just once again, on I've never accent. seen You're it. Good. Yeah. Sandy like, she doesn't have a single Oscar moment in that movie, right? No. Like, she has that, not like. One, not yeah. one. Yeah. I just <sighs> don't. Ugh, I just I don't I have without even having seen it I don't get it yeah but um so I think that there's certain roles that are kind of written you know like Martha in Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf it's yes. like that's a Tour great role yeah yeah and it just helped that like Elizabeth Taylor just like went to the stratosphere with it yeah I I can't tell I don't know if I necessarily think that this role is written to stand out I think it's written to be quirky. But I think it could have just been, like, I think it could have easily faded without Amy Adams. It could have easily been an annoying sort of character, because that is a fine line. Like, to have, be a bright, sunshiny person, positivity, a little bit, uh, you know, I hate to say dumb, but a little bit less simple, maybe is yep. a better word to say, which also could mean dumb in a certain connotation, but... Um, if you watch the trailer alone for Junebug, like I showed, Keon has never seen it. He's not heard mm-hmm. of it. And I was like, so this is what we're talking about this week. And uh, I mean, she, I think they have like quotes every once in a while in a trailer. And it was like, Amy Adams is a revelation. And she she mm-hmm. honestly is. And I don't think they anticipated that um, when making this movie. Um, she, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to make a Drag Race reference here. It's like Max Muchnick when, uh, when he talks to Dita Ritz. He's like, you, you're the kind of actress that everyone hopes uh, to have. You elevate the material. And uh, Dita Ritz says, this is, what mm-hmm. I, this is what she's been praying for. That's what she says, season four. Uh, but it is yep. kind of that. It is like a, an on paper, you know, just like a, a girl, like, you know, adjectives like ditzy or airheaded um, are instead replaced by charming uh, and... Uh, genuine and so uh, so much joy and love and um i want i think everyone needs this kind of character in their life too like everyone yeah needs i want to hang out with ashley like i totally. would be uh, i just want to go to the mall with her and have her paint my nails cinnamon fizz mm-hmm. uh cinnamon all the way fizz. Ugh. but anyways right. 
<clears throat> but well, I, keep going, I yeah. think kind of building on what you're saying, I think this idea, like totally, that she is this kind of like ditzy. I mean, you know, to bring up Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, there's like the character of Honey, the younger wife. Of course. And I think that role, like I've seen productions of it where like that role doesn't stand out the same way it does in the movie because Sandy Dennis just takes it to, I would say Sandy Dennis, you've seen the movie. I have, yeah. I did a bad gay episode on it. Yeah. That's right. As I said that, I remembered you did it with Ryan O'Connell, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I feel like that role is a good role, but what Sandy Dennis does with it is so like, there's moments where it's like, I don't think you could direct someone to do that, you know? Yes. Like little affectations Mm -hmm. and little, um, ways of saying things i and i actually think that's that's what i see most in common with amy adams here is that there are to go back to the ditzy thing there are these moments where we see her considering something in her head before she says something and that's what's interesting is almost less of what she comes out with but more of the processing before it comes out Mm -hmm. you know it's fun to watch too yeah yeah, yeah. I think, you know, one of my favorite moments in the movie is uh, in Junebug is when she's talking to um, oh, Madeline and she's talking mm-hmm. to Madeline and she says, um, she says, uh, Madeline, you keep calling her Pat, but her name's Peg. And then Madeline says, oh, fuck. And then Ashley has this moment of absorbing the fuck. Yes. And almost being a little like taken aback. And a little like, oh, oh, that's like some big city talk, and I don't talk like that. Yes. And then she tries to fold a fuck into like what she says. Like, that's just so fucking cool. Madeline, you you keep calling her Pat. Her name's Peg. Oh, fuck. Um, I'm going to let you alone right now. Okay. I want to hear all about how you and George met and everything. Was it love at first sight? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I I saw him at the gallery and a week later we were married. I love that. And it's so fucking cool, (laughs) Madeline. (sighs) Seeing that thought process going on for Ashley of wanting to connect with Madeline being a little bit frightened by the by the by the f word by the by the fuck and then wanting Madeline to like her so much that she's going to adopt that you know she says it in a way that doesn't work when like when when Ashley says it it does not work cuz sometimes people like I have certain friends that when they say fuck, it does sound really cool. And when I, yeah. like when I say fuck or something like that, it sounds like, because uh, it's not a part of her vernacular and the way that she can just absorb that and like deliver. Uh, I love her so much. And even in the introduction of Ashley, there's this music that plays. Yep. It's like, it's like mm-hmm. a, like, it's like this grand, um, you know, the character that you've been waiting for has arrived and here she is like that whole sequence of the kitchen and her waiting for Madeline to get there. That's I, I watched her yeah. audition for Junebug. Did you watch that? Did you find mm-hmm. it? It's great. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like 15 minute video of her just like doing these scenes. Yeah. That I feel like that intro of her, it does feel like in some ways, this is who the movie's really about, you know? Yeah. She's the heart of the movie in, in yeah. every possible way too. Yeah. Cause I think, <sighs> you know, because uh, the movie, like, ostensibly, just to kind of roll back for folks who haven't seen it, yeah. um, it's technically about uh, George and 
Madeline. Uh, Na- uh, Madeline mm-hmm. uh, living in Chicago. Madeline's an art dealer. George, I don't remember what he does, but um, you know they're you know they're big city folks yeah. and. Uh, they are coming to North Carolina, I believe, yep, because North there is Carolina. an artist that she wants to sign to their gallery. This mm-hmm. like weirdo, you know. That, yeah, he's something. That character. He's something. Yeah. Yeah. And that sister of his, she's something. That's a character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that guy. Yeah. And so then, of course, because they're good, this is like, you know, basically his hometown, George's hometown. So they stay with George's family. And so it's George's mother and his father and then his younger brother and younger brother's girlfriend or I guess wife. Or, yeah, wife. Um, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley. And uh, it's I mean, George is very much the the one who got away. He's the the brother yeah. who got out of the small town, got to the big city, um, you know, and. And I, it seems like has been trying to disconnect from this part of his life, or he is yeah. disconnected from it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my question to kind of start here, because talking about George and Madeline, before we kind of focus more on, on Amy Adams, do you like them? <sighs> I mean, we see... I think part of that question um, sort of relies on the fact that we don't really get to see them fall in love before they go to North Carolina. We see them like fucking an art gallery really is kind of what yeah. happens. So, and we don't know it's, I've always fascinated by that opening scene when she goes up to him and says like, do you like this painting? And he's like, no, but or whatever it is. And we just see them like fucking an art gallery and they get married within one week. So like, I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily rooting for them. It seems like they are very much in the honeymoon phase of mm-hmm. uh, their relationship. I think Embeth Davids in this part is so charming, um, at mm. least in the first half of the movie. Like when she comes in, mm. she's just kind of, I think she really does her best and succeeds in tapping into that like Southern sort of like, I'm going to give you a hug and like really going in for it, which seems like, which which is interesting because the family doesn't really reciprocate because they're just like yeah you know uh, their defenses or they're just kind of observing her because she is so uh, not southern really she has she's English she has an English accent right. in the movie so so there's that going for her as well but uh yes a hesitant yes is my is my uh, uh, answer to that I I like them. Mm. But, you know, when once George gets there, he kind of just goes like he's walking around the house when they first get there. I would like kill Keon if I was meeting his parents for the first time. <laughs> and well, I remember meeting his parents for the first time. And like even when he'd go to the bathroom to pee, I would just be like, oh, my God, hurry up. Like, right. Just get back here and help me. But uh, how do you feel about it? I like I, I mean, I think George, I think. Like what seems to be happening with him is really fascinating. It's There's a lot going of, on. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what happens when you go quote unquote home and it starts to change him and it starts to kind of infect him. And I think that what we see in the course of the movie is that George could, if he's not careful, could fold right back into yes, all of us. Yes, you know? yes, yes. And and I think that seeing him kind of all the napping and the walking around and like just kind of it, it's like it's 
what it makes me think of is Rosemary's baby and how like in the first few months of her pregnancy, she's like in all this pain. And it's like, it's just this sense of uh, like, my theory is that it's like, you know, it's this, this son of Satan's like pulling her life force from her Mm -hmm. to kind of come to life itself. And we're seeing, and we see Rosemary kind of devolve in the first four months or a few months of her pregnancy. And I see the same thing in this movie of George kind of devolving into this like, version of himself that he is able to escape from when he's in the city, when he's in Chicago. And so I, it's funny because watching him, it brings up part of it is I think because that actor, Alessandro Nivola is just like fucking stunning. Like he is, he's great. That is my, yeah, I'm really like a Southern kind of smart guy. But like also kind of like hunky and southern and just yeah scruffy right yeah, I'm, that I'm smile and he sings uh, oh my god and he sings forget about it like that right there is if someone was like so what's your type it's like I'm pretty open but I would say he right there like George in from this Junebug movie is George from Junebug yeah. yeah I love a guy who leaves me alone with his judgmental mother yeah um, <laughs> exactly but but there's something about him that um it's it's I I find myself. If I like, if I were his boyfriend, you know, Dare to Dream, and he were acting like this, I would find myself feeling like I just need you to like open up to me right now. I need you to tell me what's going on. Yeah, you know, yeah. I need you to be, like be my teammate right now. And I think that like it's really interesting to watch Madeline experience that in really small ways. Mm-hmm. Um, to see him walking around and to wondering what he's doing, and when they go to that church. You know, yeah, that's where it culminates, church, you know, for sure. When she's looking at him singing and then just realizing. I love it. I love that, those moments. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Yeah, where she's, like, realizing. And there's a moment of, like, he's, you know, singing this, like, you know, beautiful song. But, like, I, to me, the, the way I registered her response was, like, oh, my God, who is this man? Yes. Like. Exactly. I didn't know that this was in you, you know. And, um and so I sympathize with Madeline, but I think that she is obviously a very um, uh, troublesome kind of protagonist in a way because she's also blinded by this stupid, like, you know, artist that, yeah. that like, she, her. It, we're really seeing the ways in which George's family isn't entirely wrong in some of their judgments about her, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I feel like his mother is so quick to judge but i feel like i get it like i understand why she feels that way yeah a mother always knows i have i have a story about uh celia weston to share with you i've been (gasps) yeah i've been uh saving it for the pod i was i didn't even text you about this because when we when we first started i that was the first thing i thought of so i had watched june bug for the first time when i lived in new york i i don't know how or why i watched it but i was so glad Mm -hmm. that i did and not maybe like, I feel like it was a couple months later, I was riding the NQ in Astoria, and who's on the train with me but Celia Weston. And it was wow. in it was in the it was in the Green after the Greensboro Plaza stop where you're going under the tunnel and it's just like and the train's speeding up and I happen to look over and I see her, she looked like a vision. She was wearing like, you know, like a, she had a, a red lip. I, it, I like held mm-hmm. on the pole and gave her like one of those Glenn Close moments, like seeing Billy Porter. <laughs> <laughs> I just took it in. I was like, oh, just yeah. kind of rolled my head back. And I, I didn't know, of course, what, like she was within arm's reach of me. I saw her like the crowds, you know, people were shifting the subways moving and I, 
what do you say? What do you say to her? She like she looked like she was on her way to an audition or something. I don't know. Or just like a really nice dinner. Like, I'm sure she's fine. But she is one of those actresses who, um, who you see in everywhere. Celia Weston. She's she's really that yes. quintessential Southern. For those of you who might not know who Celia Weston is, she was the mom in How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days when Matthew McConaughey goes out with a very similar sort of plot where he goes home to like mm-hmm. visit his mom and like she Kate Hudson like sees Matthew McConaughey in his hometown. It's very interesting to see someone you were dating married to in uh their hometown. I think that's like yeah. a very it's kind of what we're uh going towards anyway. But Celia Weston, love you. Saw you on the subway. Wanted to tell yeah. you you were amazing and I just chickened out. Yeah. Yeah, and like who knows? Like she seems like yeah, she seems like a like a lovely lady. Like she doesn't seem very like pretentious or anything. No, she seems like um, pecan pie. Yeah. She seems great. Right. Like, yeah. I feel like what we see in the movies is, is it, she's not really acting that hard, you know? Yeah. Like, she's kind of like that. Um, I I was first familiar with Celia Weston from the movie In the Bedroom. Mm, uh, I don't know. And, okay. oh, that's a, oh, that's a great one. It's, um, oh, that's such a great movie. And I would say don't read anything about it because you don't want any spoilers. Okay. Just watch it. Um, Sissy Spacek. Oh, um, wow. Marissa Tomei. Tom Wilkinson. Uh, Celia Weston. <laughs> yeah, Celia Weston. I mean, say no more. Say no more. It is, oh my God, like, watch it as soon as possible and then, there, oh my God, I don't want to ruin anything. But yeah, it's, yeah. Okay. You're going to be, you're going to be so glad you did. You're just right. going to be so glad you did. All right. And so Celia Weston is in that and she's, she's great. It's a supporting role, but she's great. Sure. She, um, I love Celia Weston. There are certain actresses who often play like character actresses that will show up in a movie. Mm-hmm. And if I see their name in the cast list, I'm like, okay, I'll probably watch this. Like, um, I love, uh, uh, Mary Kay place. I sure. love, um, Kathy Baker. I love Deborah Joe Rupp. Like, Oh anytime yes. I, Deborah Joe right. Rupp. Yes. I love that. Anytime I see those names or, um, Oh, what was her name? She played the mom on strangers with candy, Deborah rush. Uh, like these these actresses who like if you don't know your their name and Dowd is basically like the queen sure, of these actresses yes yeah it's like even if I'm not super excited about the movie the fact that she's in it is like I'll I just want to see those scenes at the very least you know exactly um, Diane Weist is kind of a, a strong example of, of that course. you know yeah uh, and so Celia Weston is totally that for me is like if she's in it I'm I'm excited because she's so unaffected that mm-hmm. that's you know yeah she seems like someone who's just like i'm an actress i'm not mm -hmm. like feeding into the biz and like all that stuff she just does her thing yeah and her performances always feel real and always feel like i'm okay with Mm -hmm. yeah they feel lived in that's exactly the term i was thinking yeah Mm -hmm. uh like just even like you'll see it in in the bedroom as well and i'm sure it was the same in how to lose a guy in 10 days but even in this one her her outfit her wardrobe is so specific you know I what i mean it. i love the baby shower outfit that's like one of my favorite like mm-hmm. it is you it's it's whoever designed the costume designer for this was is really great too even a lot of like, yeah. Adams wears and uh yeah especially yeah, I, um oh god sorry oh no i was gonna say like Celia weston it's like uh pants and a t-shirt and like a button down over yes. like just oh, I, I, like i don't know why but like just that outfit or like when amy adams is like in a pair of like denim shorts and a tank top yes yeah i just know who that is because of the outfit yes you know yeah it really helps elevate the character too celia wesson is great i just um i think she's really great in this movie that i love 
I mean, after the hospital scene when she's lying there in bed too, like that wrecks me every time. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I want to give Ben McKenzie a shout out here as Johnny the brother because he is unrecognizable in this movie, and you hate him so much. But like you see, he is a man that's just drenched in so many unresolved like almost like traumas i guess really that like you want to just get him to therapy or give him a hug too and i love the relationship that he has with madeline if you want to call that a relationship that Mm -hmm. scene in the kitchen with the book report too but he just does not know how to control his emotions but um and he's such a dick to amy adams and i it makes me so angry what do you think of that performance uh, as johnny i think it's a very frustrating character and I think that we grow to love Ashley and care for her. And obviously she has such like a painful thing happen that like we just want the best for her in this movie because she wants the best for everybody, including him, that it's so frustrating that he won't give it to her until like that bullshit phone call at the end of like, well, maybe we could try again. I was just thinking, you know, and, you know, I, I think the like the only thing that I can kind of like find some kind of peace with is that. I think that he I think that Johnny is a is a terrible husband to Ashley and I think that she she has nobody else she says she doesn't have any other family so yeah. like she's she has uh, attached herself to this family the, this is her family um she has a memory of when he the way he loved her in high school and so I think she thinks that that could potentially come back someday yeah and so I think she hangs on to that and the fact that he withholds that is just so you know what not withholds it he's just not capable of it um but at some point towards the end i think peg is talking to madeline and i think peg says don't worry about ashley she's a firecracker and we see that in the hospital scene too that like ashley is deep down and we see it in that moment with the vhs tape when she says god loves you but he loves you too much to let you stay this way Uh that she is actually so much stronger and capable of handling Johnny, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. She doesn't and, have to yell at him. She just gives him love. She gives him love right back, even though he's spewing venom at her, like, 90% of the movie. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that's... It, I, I guess I would say that it's... Whether it's good or it's bad or it's positive or it's negative, it's real. I think it's very real. Yeah. I think there are so many relationships that are just like this where Mm -hmm. they met in high school and you know uh dropped out of what whatever career paths they were going to be going on and uh just kind of got stuck where they were yeah i also uh, another movie it's like um dolly parton and sam shepherd and steel magnolias too like i don't know if you've seen it recently or Mm -hmm. but it's the same i haven't okay he's he's kind of like you've never seen it ever I've only seen parts of it. Okay, I know. Right. Yeah, that's okay. But I, I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's what my podcast is based on. I was gonna so say, I'm who not, are you I'm to not, judge? I'm yeah. not about to judge you. <laughs> uh, but that's uh, that's that's a that's a staple for sure. But anyway, it's the same thing because Dolly is effervescent and like you would just love her, and she's like the, uh, she's amazing. And Sam Shepard's like this dud who's depressed, and uh, but there is a sort of redeeming scene at the end of the movie, just like the phone call in this movie too. But, mm-hmm. um especially uh johnny and george i mean that relationship is so interesting i was like what happened there besides the fact that he obviously is jealous of you know 
George got out and Johnny stayed and 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 Johnny, you know, it's 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 a story that Johnny's making up in his head that George thinks he's better than him and uh right. you know maybe there were fights in the past that said that or maybe George said like you you know, it's the stuff that no one wants to hear. Like you can take control of your life and like I'm not going to feel sorry for the fact that I worked hard to get a, you know, I picture that mm-hmm. argument already happening. And then of course, yeah, the father. I love the character of the father that scene made me cry at the end i think that he is i think that's a very real person and i think it's a very fascinating performance you know (sighs) it's like i almost don't want to give this moment away because i love it so much like so i will just kind of dance around but like one thing I really love about Madeline, especially like encouraging someone, you know, and because he does woodworking. So he he's working on this like in a way it's kind of it's presented as something else during the whole movie. Like it's sort of like a way for him to de-stress or whatever, like for him to just kind of have his own sort of thing. But you don't realize he's making it for a specific reason, I guess. And then to have right. that moment just like be it's like they're leaving the day that they're ugh. Yeah, it yeah. like broke me. I was like, oh, no. I forgot about that moment too when I watched it. I, I, mm-hmm. and you know what moment I'm talking about. I'm hoping, yeah, yeah. Talking about the the well when he with the screwdriver yes, and, the, and yes, putting it in the yes. pocket, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, how great would that moment would have been? And you know that she would have gushed and like really. I know. Ugh. But you know, then I thought about it, and I thought, what it ends up being when it when what he ends up doing with it instead. Yes is kind of a beautiful moment because it goes back to what happens when they first get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the on the things on the wall. I don't want to give anything away. Yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of, because I think that that's such an interesting relationship the about between, uh, what, I don't remember the husband's name. Uh, uh, Pe- uh, Eugene. 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 Peg and Eugene. You know, for the most part, she nags at him, but then there's, there's moments of like of of tenderness. There's moments mm-hmm. of like you get the like she's always been the bigger personality and he's always been the quieter personality. Um, and I don't know. There, I just I found their relationship. Like there's that one scene between Madeline and Eugene where he Eugene's kind of like you know uh, basically kind of explaining like deep down Peg is like you know a very loving woman. She just has a hard time showing it or she just doesn't show it or whatever. And I. I just see him as this like quiet man who has just been like taking all of this in stride his entire life. Yeah. And he never has a moment of breaking out of that in this movie. He never has like, um, you know, some, some August Osage County style meltdown, you know? Yeah, yes. In the attic. <laughs> yeah. He just, you know, he's accepted his lot in, and his role in, in this dynamic. And, yeah. uh, there's very little we see of Eugene and Ashley interacting except for when he's downstairs, you know, in his shop and she's up in the kitchen and he says, Oh, there's zingers, uh, you know, on top of the fridge. And, and she has that moment of considering getting like the zinger and then she gets the carrot instead. But like it just in those like little interactions, they're, they're two such soft, sweet characters, you know, that it's nice to kind of see what their dynamic is like, you know? I really love this movie a lot. <laughs> I'm just like, the more we talk about it, there's there's so much to unwrap in it. It doesn't, until you really kind of look at it through this lens too, like if, if someone watched this movie, I mean, I would hope everyone would have the same reaction as we do to this movie, but not everyone would. And that's like the beauty of art and film and stuff like that too. But um, I, this hits you in a way, this movie hits me in certain spots too. And I, I haven't seen this probably in, 
I'd have to say like eight years or something like that. It's been a while. So I loved going back to watch it. Um, uh, yeah, and just kind of rediscover some things, and yeah, I totally forgot about the the screwdriver scene too. So that was that that hit hard. Yeah, that was great in the best way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you want that connection to happen, and it just it it shouldn't ever happen. I mean, I think just the mere fact that the end of the movie when George is like, you know, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Like we're never coming. Like I'm so glad we're out of there. You know? Yeah. Oh, I found that fascinating. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, like reemerging out of it and. I, I just, I know that feeling of like, oh God, I just like went to a different place for a little while. Like it just brought me back to a different version of myself, you know? Um, yeah. We should, I think the scene, I mean the scene, I mean this the movie scene. is great, but the scene that I think cements why this is really Amy Adams's best performance mm-hmm. in my humble opinion. And we can talk about some of our other performances. I haven't seen all of them. Yeah, but, same. Um, the hospital scene mm-hmm. is remarkable yeah i mean it's in a way it it, you know it's funny because even much like the character of ashley this could have been just like a trope of just like the hospital bed scene yeah you know um so many movies have done it and i i just think that amy adams takes this scene to a next level Mm -hmm. um so tell me your thoughts tell me your thoughts on this hospital scene uh yeah i it's like, are we, are we gonna, should we do like a spoiler alert here? Or like, I, I feel. Yes. I think at this point I would say that if you, if you have not seen June bug and you want to see it without knowing what happens. Stop now. Stop now. Watch You've already movie. heard a lot. <laughs> yes. Or yeah. fast forward. Yeah. Right. Or fast forward. But, but here it is. Okay. You had a chance. Ashley ends up losing the baby. Yeah. And, it's kind of a dark truth, I think, running through the movie. I mean, they kind of say, like, George says, oh, the baby came too fast and they weren't able to, like... But I kind of feel like, I mean, Ashley, probably the fact that she wasn't eating right, mm-hmm. the fact that she was, like, ignoring her pains and was saying, oh, the head's pressing on my nerves. And it's like, what the hell does that mean? Like, I... And she didn't want the fetal monitor. I, there's really this dark truth about Ashley running through the movie where it's kind of quirky... That she's like obsessed with losing weight and looking skinny, but it's like really tragic. Yeah, it and, is. And uh, and so of course she loses the baby, and uh, George goes to the hospital. You know, the, like the family is left, and you know the parents and uh, Johnny have left. But then George comes to to visit with her. Yeah, it's just a really um, the relationship between George and Ashley too. Um, you don't really see them interact really a lot at the house. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of that yeah. now. But um, in those times of, you know, this is obviously a dark moment too. First of all, if I was like, if that was my sister or if I was like, my, if that was my child, I would never be able to leave that hospital. Like the fact that Peg and, yeah. and, and everyone just went home, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. I couldn't yeah. leave my daughter or my wife or, you know, my sister there. Um, yeah. So it's interesting that uh, whatever hospital hours, you know, visiting hours are potentially over. But that's that's a I feel like they would, could make an exception for that. Um, I could I would think so. There, right. Yeah. yeah. So there's a part of her that we talked about her strength before, too, that she is trying to be strong for everyone else, too. Uh, and in that it, <sighs> there's so many layers to this. It's like I, I'm thinking about how it starts and she's kind of joking around and she's kind of talking and then... No, I hate hospitals. But it really wasn't all that scary, all the needles and stuff. It wasn't all that bad. 
tell you what the scariest thing is to me. The scariest thing to me is Johnny. It is. Was it the like the the bassinet or the cradle that they're talking about? It's it, there is mm-hmm. always that point where you talk about one thing, like however little or small that moment might be, where you just you know the the floodgates open and grief just washes over you, and you you can't stop it. You just have to let it happen. I didn't say nothing. Not one word. I still don't know what it is. I don't think he really did want it to. Mr. Boy. You know how I know? I heard him tell your father to paint the cradle brown. Or you just... You wouldn't put a baby girl in a brown cradle. <laughs> you just... You just wouldn't. Especially since you love this character so much at that point, too. And, like, you know that she's excited for the baby. And, um, you know, they already had the baby shower. It's so late in the game. And, like, this has obviously happened to many women and will continue to happen to many And such an important story to tell. Um, but uh, how kind of quickly she comes out of it too at the same time and that's the weird thing about grief Mm -hmm. is sometimes it'll stay with you for like three weeks and sometimes you know it's it's two and a half minutes and then she's you know um there's a there's a line dolly parton says in steel magnolias laughter through tears is my favorite emotion but it's kind of that's kind of it like they're laughing about something um and and how george is just kind of there to hold her hand and she says like you're always kind of there when I need you, uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. like this guardian angel sort of deal and, um, that he's, uh, gets to, to be there for her in any way that he can, you know, it's, I can't imagine what it is, uh, what she's yeah. going to do, but yeah, it's, it's really powerful and, um, it is the yeah, Oscar it, scene for sure. It is. Oh, it is. If you were to say like the moment, if, if she were to win and mm-hmm. we'll talk about the nominees that year and who didn't, who won and who didn't, um, but, uh, it's, yeah, to me, this is her Oscar moment. <laughs> I don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> it's not my fault. Of course not. <laughs> and all that time and all that stuff I got and all those months, it was just all for nothing. <laughs> and those... Those fucking doctors, they think that they know everything, but they don't know anything. They don't know anything. (laughs) I don't understand. I don't understand why would God let this happen? Why would he? I just, I just wanted something good to come out of all of I think, um, you know, it, it's so dark, but like, I, I think for years I've always like, in a sort of dark way, I've always had the line, I don't know what he's thinking, stuck in my head. <laughs> I know. And when she talks about Johnny and Johnny didn't even cry, he didn't do any, because of course Johnny's like a robot. Right. Like all that's been shut off. And I just, I think that, yeah, she talks about the, you know, well, you wouldn't put a baby girl in a brown cradle. And 
it's funny like the I've watched the scene so many times and it's the this is so small it's the way that the b sounds come out of her mouth when she says that sentence is you can see the crumbling happen is the you know baby brown cradle like that is kind of like sh- yeah the, the words are starting to dissolve like the formations are yeah. dissolving and then of yeah of course she starts to break down and like crying about not knowing what he's thinking and then i just i think the way that this meltdown takes off and she's like, I, I mean, I think when she says it's not my fault, I mean that, yeah, like I'm like getting chills just saying that, like, it's not my mm-hmm, fault. Like mm-hmm. that, like that sentiment. And like, I think that this moment here, you know, we talked about earlier when she says fuck and it doesn't sound right and she's trying it on. Yeah. And then she has this moment here where it's perfect. And she's like, and all these mm-hmm. fucking doctors think they know anything. They don't know yes. anything. And it's, it's yeah. like a side of Ashley that we never see, and it's it, like it is so like every time I watch that, I, I it feels like it happens so quickly, but it's like Amy Adams just like reaches in, rips open her entire chest, shows us her heart, mm-hmm. and then closes and puts it back away. You know, like wastes yeah. no time. I, and I think the like the way that she's crying and like the way that her hands are moving, the way a baby's hands move when yeah. it cries, yeah. and. Uh, I think about that also from like the performance standpoint. Like I think of Amy Adams and Alessandro Navolo like doing the scene together and he has to just be there like six inches away from her face while she like loses her shit. And I think what do two actors have to do to get there? You know, like the work of that is so like for her to let herself break down like that. Well, this guy who she's known at most 21 days because that's how long this movie took to film and this may have not been the last day so she barely knows this guy and she has to like break down it's like she's going to the bathroom in front of him you know like it's so vulnerable yeah it's it's raw. so yeah. raw and and when she says i just wanted something good to come from all of this it, it's mm. but but then i mean to your point like she has that pivot where she said where she's like but i'm real pretty right now <laughs> Boy, these things really make you think, huh? You know what? Mm. I'm craving some nuts. <laughs> well, I am too, and they won't get me in here. <laughs> you want me to go see if I can get you some peanuts? Would you? No one has been more charming than when she starts laughing and goes, what? Like, it's... Yes. And just, like, wiping, like, the sniffles real quick. You know, she's wiping her tears. And I think it's this moment of, like, is that all you... Is that... Would that make you happy right now? Is that what you... Then I'll get you that. No problem. Like... Yeah. Nuts coming up. Yeah. Like, nuts coming up. Nuts for nuts. Like, I feel like as the audience member, I'm just, like running down the peanut aisle to try to help this woman you know yeah it's i paused the movie yeah that whole like whatever 45 seconds of her melting down yeah it's quick and it's efficient and it's 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 more than effective too and um and then they just talk it's like it's it's you think of those moments and how you yourself would go through that too and everyone it would affect everyone differently too but you also have to and i think maybe this is just the celia weston's character peg and eugene is like we have to keep going or at least with peg you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. we see that on the outside too but 
you know, we get a shot of Peg that night crying to herself in bed too. And yeah. like, I'm, 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 it was a relief almost because Peg is such a hard ass throughout this whole movie. And, um, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, Eugene says it, but like that she really is kind of a softy too, but like it, it we need that. And I'm, I'm so glad that they chose to show that scene there. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I, I love that moment. I like Celia Weston just acting. Um, yeah. And like, and I think I thought about that scene too, in terms of like the meta, like filming of it, like that. Okay. Celia. So like, we're just going to fix the camera on you and you just do what you got to do. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Oh man, it's, it's Take so like it's need. <laughs> as long as you need, we'll get there and we get there. Um, but I, I think what we see, I think it's like it's like what we see emerge in the wake of grief from people. Like mm-hmm. I think with George and Ashley, like she has that moment when she stops crying and she says, "Oh, I must I must look real pretty right now." Yeah. And she's, it's kind of like Valerie Cherish when she mm-hmm. kind of turns off and she's yeah. being normal. It's like Ashley has turned off the kind of meerkat quality and she's just like. Oh, it's like she's been aged in some way. And I think George, like, I I imagine that George and Ashley could have had a beautiful relationship, you know? You always know what I need. You know, all I want in the whole world is for Johnny to love me like he did in high school. You held him, didn't you? Oh, he was beautiful. It was perfect. Yeah, he was. He was blue. But you'll come back and see me tomorrow, won't you? And can y'all stay for the service? Well, we want to. And I I have to figure out whether... I know. You got stuff you gotta get back to, I know. But you'll be there in spirit. I will. I know. I don't understand it. You make me feel better about things than anybody else, and you don't even do anything. (laughs) So, uh, I... Considering all this love that we have for Junebug and yes. for Amy Adams, of course, Amy Adams did not win Ugh. the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress that year. And I thought we could just kind of talk about those Oscars and like who won. It was uh, these are the 2006 Oscars, okay. um, and you know, just kind of who were the big names that year and whatnot. I, I'm always fascinated by the. And some of it's just kind of like my own subjective like rationale when I look at the five nominees as like why this one was nominated, why this one won, why this one didn't. Um, and so applying that same completely subjective sure, um, yes, I'm excited rationale. Yeah. So that that was oh oh this is this is so perfect. This so connects to the girlfriend's cocktail hour Oscar Ooh, episode because so this was the year that Crash won Best Picture. Uh, yikes. <laughs> Yeah, which I I have similar feelings. I yeah. I did not. I mean, obviously, Brokeback Mountain should have won that year, um, so it did not. Um, yeah. Best director was Ang Lee for Brokeback Good. Mountain. Yes. Uh, best actor that was Philip Seymour Hoffman for Capote. Great. Uh, and I think 
yeah, I think that was probably, I'm sure that was like the one to win. This was the year that Reese Witherspoon, I thought she won Best Supporting Actress. She won Best Actress for Walk the Line. I know. It's I a supporting role. That. It's a supporting role. Hello. Come on. Yeah. Uh, and her, just, you know, because it's worth naming who else was nominated that year, uh, that was the year that um, Judy Dench was nominated for Mrs. Henderson Presents, yes. which a movie I've, I've never not seen, seen, but I mean, it sounds like an Oscar movie. Like, yes. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I know exactly what happens in it just yes. by like reading the title. Um, Felicity Huffman for Transamerica. Yes, of course. Which is, uh, uh, it, I love that performance for the drool moment. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I've not seen it. I've not seen it. Oh. I know. Oh. But it is it like a, a, Vi- a Viola Davis like snot moment? Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes, it is. And granted, that. Felicity Huffman playing a trans character, it's problematic in a couple yeah, ways, but right? you know. Uh, she'll have some time in jail to think about that. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Uh, and then Kira Knightley for Pride and Prejudice, which I haven't seen. Oh, I mean, I love that. Yeah, is yeah, it? It's yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and then Charlize Theron for North Country. Okay, I don't know what that is. Uh, I yeah, I remember seeing it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I, it's one of those movies that I think wanted to be better than it was, but had all the elements of an Oscar bait kind of movie. So. Uh, Best Supporting Actor with George Clooney won that year for Syriana, um, beating out Jake Gyllenhaal and um, Which is Matt Dillon for Crash. Oh. Wow. Uh, but let's get to the matter at hand. Let's yes. get to the one we really BSA. care about. The BSAs, Best Supporting Actress. So this was the year that the who I expected to win was Michelle Williams for Brokeback Mountain. Yes, I think that was kind of the one that a lot of people were pegging as like the front runner. Yeah. Uh, there was also Frances McDormand in North Country, I think kind of doing like a variation of what she finally won an Oscar for, for Three Billboards. Yeah. Uh, there was Catherine Keener in Capote, which I hadn't seen. Like, I love Catherine, Catherine Keener. Keener. Yes. I mean, she's another one of those best, like uh, maybe a younger version of those women that we watch out for that we always sound like, you, like Catherine Hahn, Catherine Keener. There's a lot of Catherines. That I really love, yes. No, I agree. If I see that Katherine Keener's in a movie, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm interested to see what she's doing. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Uh, Amy Adams, of course, was uh, also nominated, but the winner that year was Rachel Weiss for The Constant Gardener. <sighs> Interesting. Did you see that? I didn't. I didn't either. Um, I... I, it's tough because we haven't seen it. Yeah, it's we like... Haven't a, seen yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for folks listening, if you have seen that movie... Do you feel that of of the of the awards? Because I would have given it to Amy Adams or maybe Michelle Williams. Yeah, I think we probably would have given it to Michelle. And I think mm-hmm. there's always a formula for every um, category. There's like the newcomer. There's like the older woman. Like if we're talking just supporting actresses. Uh, yeah. There's like the old old timer. I almost said Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's like the two middle people that m- like. Uh, were probably win, you know, and then, or maybe like front runners. And then there's like the winner. I feel like there's like that formula, but Amy Adams definitely fit into the slot of newcomer. It's like, you know, when they gave, um, Gabourey Sidibe the nomination for precious too, like you, you were great in, in this sort of like, uh, you know, little micro moment of a movie here too, or like for Precious, she was definitely more than a micro moment, but anyways, uh, yeah. Rachel Weiss. Um, yeah. So love her, I mean, but yeah, lover. Yeah, I mean, I thought she was great in the favorite, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that I, uh, and you know, I liked Michelle Williams in Brokeback Mountain. It's been a while since I've seen it. I love Michelle Williams. I've just, 
I think I've seen her even better in other things. And obviously, Blue Valentine. Uh, I still haven't seen Blue Valentine. Colin. Oh. I know. I mean, it is not a movie that you pop in like I think I'm gonna watch this now. It is. It is some heavy shit, but it yeah. is. And it is like talk about a movie that is just all internal sort of like you know i don't want to say very little dialogue because there is dialogue there's like a hotel mm-hmm. scene that is like beyond depressing but it is uh it's one of my favorite performances of her um okay among others too but uh yeah. it's really great have yeah, you michelle seen williams. yeah she, oh, she, michelle williams is yeah. i feel like she is so much better than she's ever given credit for because people keep thinking of dawson's creek but it's like have you seen take this waltz no Oh God, that movie! Never is even heard of it. Wow. Okay. Great. It's uh, Seth Rogen's in it. Amy Silver or no, uh, Sarah Silverman's in it. Okay. Um, it's Canadian. It's so it's so fucking good. Great. Um, but yeah, I obviously she's gonna be in that Fosse Verdon yes uh, thing, which I just from the trailer or the commercial I was like I I think I don't know if this is gonna be great, but I think she's gonna be great. Oh, I think you so know? too. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know if she's much of a dancer, but how hard she's worked in other roles, I assume she's learned. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm assuming too. Yeah, yeah. Get a body double in there. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. No shame in that. Um, now you had written down some of Amy Adams' other performances. I have, yes. So, and I think we should we should give some highlights to those. Yeah, I'm excited to mention the one because I know you're gonna gag, but because um, mm. I feel like um, it's well. Let me just get into this. So the first movie she ever did was Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh. She's I mean, so cl- good yeah, in that. She's great. There is bits of Ashley in that performance. Um, yeah. But of course, not as in depth and sort of nuanced as Ashley is. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she plays, you know, the ditzy sort of <laughs> slutty sort of. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Yeah. The um, slutty cheerleader who gets like third place. Yeah. yeah. And that was in 1999. Then we have Catch Me If You Can in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, Junebug, of course. And then course. Colin. Her. Um, I'd say a little bit of an arc as Katie on The Office. Do you remember this? Oh, I do remember course, selling handbags yeah. in the conference room. Yes. And I loved, yes. And when Kevin was like, oh, she's like a prettier Pam. And it was like <laughs> kind of true. Like it was brilliant casting. Yes, it really was. And I know you're an yeah. Office fan. I was really excited to uh, to bring that up. Yeah. I am a huge Office fan. I cannot wait to start doing episodes about The Office and in the details. I just, I have so much to say about Pam. I have so much to say about Michael. Um, about Jan. I have so much to say about Jan. Jan. Uh, I think Jan is fascinating. Yeah. But, uh, yes, no, she was great on The Office, Katie. I, I just... Oh, I used to think of that that scene um, on the booze cruise when she and, um, what was, Roy are connecting over, like the high schools they went to and yes. like she's singing her old like high school cheer it's great it's, yeah and what's the movie when they're all standing outside because of the fire drill that um that's like a deep cut for the office but i feel like you know it when they're oh. all naming their favorite they're you know it uh-huh and meredith mentions legends of the fall or is it is the one she mentions it's is the it- one so what happened was um like because pam's obviously upset about katie being in the picture and they're all standing right. outside in the parking lot and um, they mention someone mentions a movie. It's something along the lines of like Legally Blonde or something. It is. Like it's that. Legally Blonde. Is it Legally yeah. Blonde? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great movie, especially after doing it on the Bad Gay. I was like, Mel Woods is like a modern day feminist, but um, that's another mm-hmm. podcast. But uh, and then like Katie comes up and they're like, Katie, what are you, what's your Desert Island movie? And she says Legally Blonde, and Pam like laughs, but it's a very like. 
Oh. Uh, it's like vindication, like, okay, yeah, you're stupid and I feel good about myself now too. Yeah, yeah. It's really a moment, yeah. I love those early season, like, Pam, like, unrequited Pam moments. I know, uh, same. I mean, I always judge it, like, by, that's, like, Jim's, like, still scruffy phase, and then he got, like, mm-hmm. super hot, and his yep. hair is, like, styled and stuff like that. You can always tell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah everyone always gets a glow up, I guess. Um, right. Yeah. But moving on to uh, more movies, this is actually one of my favorite uh, Amy Adams performances, I'm going to say, is Enchanted in 2007. I really yeah. loved it. I saw it a long time ago, and I yeah. remember being impressed by, yeah, like her level of commitment, and like it's it's smarter than you think it's gonna be, right? Yes. Like it's a, it's very self aware at moments of what she's doing. Yes, yeah. the impression I got, and also yeah. another sort of dangerously sugary sweet character that could be annoying, but also yeah. is not. Uh, she's just naive enough to kind of make it all work, and she sings, and I really love the music for that. So there's that. Um, yeah. Uh, Doubt was in 2008. Um, uh, I mean, I just think Doubt. that is, especially since it was a play first, sometimes I get nervous from like a play adaptation to screen, but that's one that really, really works well. And like that cast yeah. is just, uh, I thought that I should have been like, it, maybe even Viola's first Oscar too. Like it could, mm-hmm. maybe we can argue that too, but. Um, that's a good question is, and I know it's not on topic, but no. who else was nominated the year that, um, Viola Davis uh, was nominated for Doubt. I'm going to look that um, up. It was the year um, that I think Penelope Cruz won for Vicky Cristina Barcelona, which is strange, uh, right? I could be wrong. I think oh. I probably am because I remember Kate Winslet won for The Reader that year and she said, I can't just, I can't believe we were nominated in an, uh, a category with Meryl Streep at all. And I think it was for Doubt. Um, so, but I could be oh, wrong. I could be a year off. No, you're right. I found it. I found the Wikipedia page for Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. They have every year Ugh, all the nominees. A dream. I mean, I'm 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 sliding right off the chair. Bookmark that for later. Yes. Yeah. My God, I'm putting it in my porn folder. I'm so into it. <laughs> so, um, which is a folder called stuff inside of a folder called stuff. So, uh, no one will ever know. Anyway, that year was 2008, and it was. Uh, yeah, it was Penelope Cruz. She won for Vicky Cristina Barcelona, which I... I said that before, too. Uh, it was in my Oscar stub, our, our squirrel friends. Like, I love her. I love the movie. But actually, um, yeah, I, I would have liked to see her win for something else. It's an interesting win for her. I, I could talk a lot about that. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel like an Oscar winner to me. Yeah. Um, whereas Amy Adams and Viola Davis were both nominated for Doubt. Taraji P. Henson was nominated for Curious Case of Benjamin Button and Marissa Tomei for The Wrestler, which I haven't seen. But you guys were. Yeah, we love The Wrestler. Yeah, she's really great. That could have been another Oscar that, you know, my cousin Vinny. Fine. Um, Which I love. Yeah. And I'm not going to knock my cousin Vinny. I think she's great. But uh, that could have really been a great role for her to win. If if, yeah, I would love Um, to see that. Yeah, that's a tough category. And the one who I think shouldn't have won won. So there's that. And I'm not not Penelope. I love her. I think she's super talented. But that's um, probably the role I would have – the last one I would have awarded of the five. Yeah. I, it's it's interesting to me. But – Yeah. Uh, yeah, Doubt. What a year. Uh, and yeah. then we have Julie and Julia, which is uh, – she's fine in that movie. I know she got a lot of flack, like, for being, mm. like, whiny or whatever. Like, it could have just been the way that it was written. But I – I know that is more of a Meryl Streep vehicle for sure. But uh, – I feel like – yeah, like, I feel like Julie's story is, like – 
I feel like people didn't really find that it had much pathos maybe, or it felt kind of like, yeah, you know, privileged white girl problems or yes, something. Exactly. Kind of yeah. transparent. Um, yeah. And then we have Colin. Oh my gosh. I hope you're just as excited about this one as I am, but we have the fighter, which I, I've seen, I saw a clip of her beating up some people on a porch. From okay. That movie. So you have yet to see it. Okay. Yeah, so okay. I've yet to see it. I'm really excited. Oh. Between her and Melissa Leo. Melissa I can't Leo, I, Amanda Kaczynski's, unless she, I almost said rolling in her grave, but she's rolling her <laughs> eyes right now at us because really? she does not, she's not the biggest fan of Melissa Leo, or, and especially in that movie, but I, like, picture the curtain lady, who we love, this gorgeous, mm-hmm. gorgeous curtains, and, like, gorgeous. that's that's basically all of the sisters, Um, is that, that mm-hmm. like, sort of, that vibe, and especially Melissa Leo. I love that movie and i love amy adams in it that could have been maybe her oscar i don't know it's tough it's tough i don't i can't remember what year that was either too but uh well i have that in front of me that was 2010 and melissa leo won oh she did she beat she beat her okay that's and then the other ones were helena bottom carter in the king's speech um Haley steinfeld in true grit true grit and then jackie weaver in animal kingdom interesting yeah jackie weaver yeah. yeah jackie weaver yeah she's a she's a weird she's a, she's an interesting she's one act- of those actresses yeah i yeah. i like her i i i liked her in silver linings playbook i know she got nominated me too yeah i actually thought she yeah she was she got a nomination yeah um okay then we have uh there's a couple in between there's the muppets movie there's the master with philip seymour hoffman which is an interesting movie i've not seen Maybe it either i don't know if you've seen no. it too. yeah um and then we get like another sort of uh, touchstone here is american hustle um, yeah, I haven't. I have complicated feelings about that movie. Okay, like it's a David. David is it David O. Russell? David O. Russell. David? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love everyone that's in it. I think Christian Bale is kind of the star of that movie for me, as as like controversial as he is, or you know, I I don't know the full story, but I just feel like he's a dickhead, but he's talented. He threw the phone, right? Or he he got yeah. yeah he threw the yeah, he, yeah. I'm sure every actor has had that moment. It's just like he's the one that got caught doing exactly. it. Exactly. So, it's just always in the back of my mind, but I think he is talented, and he's amazing in the fighter. Like, oh, all right, the fight, the fighter. Okay, you have to watch in the bedroom, and I have to. That, this, so, so yes. your assignment this yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, I will. And like, just please text me anytime Melissa Leo comes on the screen, yeah. and just uh, yeah. There's so many, so many moments. Um, uh, yeah. So, anyways, then we have Big Eyes, which was another Oscar nomination for. Her. Oh, I did yeah. not see it. Yeah, where she played like the the artist, right? The painter or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think I started um, watching that and I didn't. I didn't finish it. Yeah. Yeah, and then we have Arrival in 2016. And I wanted. Didn't see I it. wanted to watch that before this episode because that that to me felt like potentially the movie that people thought that what she should have won the Oscar for. Yeah, I've heard that too. Um, but I. And I feel like people might see that as, like, her best performance. But I don't know. I just haven't seen it yet. And I think, like, we were talking about this before we started recording, that there's so much that we watch that's for the podcasts and that's very, like, specific that I I have gotten picky that, like, basically I Marie Kondo it. If it doesn't spark joy, I'm not going to press play, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's I we consume a lot of contents yeah. <laughs> being podcasters and I have to be selective. Right. I have to choose. <laughs> and I was just like, you yeah. know what? This whole, like, you know, talk like the aliens walk like the aliens bullshit. I, I got, I don't have time for this. I'm trying to watch yeah. the office again. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I know. Yeah. And then there's that. It's like, I guess I'll watch parks and rec for a third time. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I act like I don't have the time. I got the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
And then the last one, uh, most recently, is Vice in 2018 with another Oscar nomination yeah. too. But did um, you did you see that? I did not. Yeah, I, did not. I had heard nothing about that was really calling my name. Same. I heard some podcasters yeah. talking about it, and I think she had like some moments maybe earlier in the movie, but then it, she kind of fades from it in the second half, and that yeah, that seems disappointing to me. I'm like, oh, so like ninety, you know, four or forty five minutes in, it's gonna be like, okay, that was the best part, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, of all of her nominations, which do you think uh, the fighter is like even above Junebug is like the one she should have won for? Junebug is always number one. Okay. I think that that's that is forever cemented. Yeah, I don't think anything should be above Junebug, yeah. and it's a shame because it's um, like I said, it's it's what catapulted her. But like, I wish it would have came a little bit later. Yeah, like maybe after like two nominations, if that was like her third one, that she could have really won for. Depending on the year, of course. But right, right. I, um, I think there's also in that role there's kind of the element of like it being kind of an, a breakout performance. I mean, she won a shit ton of awards for this performance. Like she was yeah. recognized by so many like, you know, critics choice awards and film festivals and whatnot. So like, you know, and breakthrough artist awards and whatnot that I think mm -hmm. sometimes I think there's certain roles that it's a combination of the actor's performance, the way the role is written and the fact that people don't know who the actor is that, that, and I, I, I feel like there's all these examples that I can't think of. Um, but I mean, I would think even like this year, like looking at the Oscars this year, I feel like um, uh, the woman from Roma who won, who was nominated for Best Actress. I feel like yes. people are like, who mm -hmm. is this? You know? Um, yeah. And I think that that's maybe also part of like the appeal of this role and when it came out was that like Amy Adams had like so little of a career and then like wasn't a name and was giving kind of like a, a performance to discover, you know? yeah and in a way is like i don't want to say just as satisfying as an oscar but like it it really you know if not for Junebug, would we have known amy adams sooner or later or how it's just right. really interesting to think about too um yeah like how her career would have gone yeah yeah do you think that amy adams when she wins her oscar which is eventually going to happen you think it'll be best supporting or a leading role <sighs> Good question. I it's like I feel certain actresses fall in the certain categories too. Yes, yeah. like I think of like like Diane Weist is a Best Supporting Actress winner through and yes, through. through She's and through. won two yeah. of them. If she wins another, it'll be Best Supporting Actress. Um, I think of Alice and Janney that way. Um, yeah, you know, I, I you know obviously I think the Best Supporting Actress is like the better award. Yes, there's something about it. I mean, you know, I could do a whole podcast about it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I know right, I know. right. Um, Ugh, so much to so say. much to say about it but i that's a great question i am prone to to even though the most recent one she was nominated for was best supporting it feels like she's becoming such a big star that like mm -hmm. she would more likely be in a starring role you know what i mean yeah i think that's she's 45 years old i think wow. um uh yeah interesting right I had no idea. yeah she's born in uh 74 wow um she has time to sort of um i think she's in an interesting place because she's she's still working and she's still like making great film um but i, I wonder if she's gonna like you know I, I i have to step into her mind like should she take some time off and really be selective like i'm sure like that's that's the ultimate goal like for any actor mm -hmm. you know of course to be working and making a career and, and just putting out good work but like you want the oscar like right. if, you, if to say that you don't is a little silly i think but um 
Yeah. Uh, I I actually hope that she has. I want her to win a Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. Uh, act- I, I, I'm rooting for that kind of performance. I'm rooting for another June Bug where she can kind of give us everything. She mm-hmm. she can make us fall in love with her. She can make us laugh and um, and have nuance, but also give us the drama. Like, that's that's ultimately what I want in my Best Supporting Actresses. Yeah. I want a little bit of everything. And I think, you know, what I love about the Best Supporting Actress and about that concept is that what, like she has to do all of that with less screen time. You know what I mean? With not being the star. Leave us wanting more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I think that that's why I'm always so intrigued by this award because it's like, you know, back in the day, like with like in the world of like rental cars, I think, I don't remember, Hertz was first. It was like the number one rental car company. And so Avis, their marketing was like, we're second, so we work harder. You know, because we're not going to... Ooh, I like and, that. And that is yeah. kind of how I see Best Supporting Actress is like, we work harder because we are second build yeah. or fourth build or Beatrice Strait yeah. was like 16th build, you know? And Ugh. like, and you have to like do that work to stand out or you have to stand out in one scene, you know, Viola Davis mm-hmm. in Doubt, you know? Yes. And and it, so when, we, when I think about, you know, uh, Frances McDormand in Fargo, who, good performance, but there's there there's not enough it doesn't feel like there's the same kind of pressure on that role to pop in the same way mm-hmm. that Viola Davis has 11 minutes to pop or 9 minutes to yeah. pop you know what i mean um yeah. and so that i i respect that more and i'm more excited by that and so to your point i think to see amy adams in that kind of pressure cooker um of a mm-hmm. role would be really exciting Ugh. Well, I, this, I mean, uh, any other thoughts before we wrap things up on Junebug or Amy Adams or Best Supporting Actresses or anything else you want to... So so much to say here, so much. I, I would say everyone should go watch Junebug. I rented it on YouTube mm-hmm. for $3.99. It's the best $3.99 that you will spend. And, and just because I want more people to see this movie, yeah. I think that not a lot of people know about it. Unless you stumble, like it's it's crazy that we both know about it mm-hmm. and like appreciate it for what it is. Because I, I, like I said, I don't. I think I just saw the movie cover. Yeah, I don't know where I watched it. I don't know where I know I was in New York. Who knows? But I watched it, and I'm so glad that I did. And I, I remember talking to other people about this movie, and no one had seen mm-hmm. it. And it's like, and, and that's like a frustrating thing when you know that there's this thing that like you love. And uh, you can't find anyone to kind of queen out about. Yeah. So I'm so glad that I'm I'm here. Yeah. And that you're able to be just as excited about it as I am too, and and Amy in general too. I agree. I mean, I, I think it's on yeah. it's on Netflix as well now. It just got added to Netflix recently. And oh, it did. It did. I know because I. Oh my god. I did the same thing you did. I rented it on YouTube a while ago, and then I like went on Netflix. I was like, well, what what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Junebug? So. Uh, yeah. So it is available. Well, great. I know. Good news. Awesome. Yeah. Um. And yeah, no, I agree. I, I, um, it's one of those things where it's kind of like when I finally watched Pen Fifteen. I was so glad that you guys already saw it, so I had someone I could queen out. Oh with. yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's part of the joy. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yes, I agree. I heartily recommend this movie, even if you already know everything that happens. It's really about like how they got there and the performances yeah. that get there. Um, uh, where can where I mean folks may be familiar with you already but just in case they're not how can they find more of you 
Uh, well, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nick Kochanov. If you don't know how to spell my name, just look it up. Uh, or I'm sure it's in the it's in the details of this episode oh! in the title. Oh. <laughs> um, but I will say uh, you can also follow me on the Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour. You can listen to that every week where Amanda Kaczynski and I, uh, you know, we talk about pop culture. We talk about a little bit of drag race. We... It's a new format, and we're we're settling in, and we feel really good about it. And uh, you can also follow or listen to my other podcast, which Colin is also going to be in a guest on as well. Mm-hmm. We just talked about uh, Ace of Base, so we're it's the No Good, Very Bad Gay podcast, where I basically talk about uh, pop culture, specifically like Touchstone queer pop culture that I uh, just have a whole in my memory or have never been introduced to certain movies and singers and divas and we meet somewhere in the middle yeah and it's been really fun yeah yeah it's great because it's like you know it's an excuse to like see like all these things we this episode even we just talked about like oh i haven't seen that i haven't seen that and it's like yeah to have a reason so much to discover yeah yeah it's like when people say that oh i haven't seen that and, and it's like they're worried of being shamed it's like oh my god you're so lucky like when someone says they haven't seen the comeback, I'm like, you don't even know how lucky you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you yes. get to discover the comeback. So it's it's amazing. So I think that's great. Um, and I I'm yes. honored to be to be a guest, to be a two time yeah, guest yeah. at this point. And of course, folks, you can you know how to get more of me. You can uh, drop me an email at in the details pod at gmail.com. You can contact me on Twitter at Colin Drucker, and you can now contact me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. Yeah, I was like, come back, come back. Uh, yes. And of course, it's Colin Drucker underscore because Colin Drucker was taken, and I oh. want to see if I can get that resolved, but that's for a whole other matter. Yeah. Um, and of course, folks, uh, if you have strong feelings, particularly positive ones that you want to share, iTunes is a great place to do that. Uh, if you are listening on some other platform other than Spotify and wanting to be listening to this on Spotify, I have been on Spotify and you can find me there as well. Um, and uh, I, next week, depending on when I post this episode, I think uh, at some point you will either be hearing a new episode of Cherishing Valerie. You might be getting a certain bonus episode that I don't want to spoil if it hasn't come out yet. Um, but yeah, a whole bunch of things coming up. So thanks for hitting play this week. See ya.